You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. We are continuing our series. This is week four of our series on God's protection, His promise of protection. And uh, again, let me just remind you, after, after the events last month that happened in Texas with the horrible shooting at, at the school there in Uvalde, uh, I went to prayer and the Lord spoke to my heart and just I, I just want to emphasize this to you. And uh, he said this, he said, no parent of mine should have to live in fear where sending your child to school is concerned. And so he said, teach the people what my word says in Psalm 91 about my promise of divine protection and how we can live in it. And so that's what we've been endeavoring to do over the past three weeks. I encourage you, if you've missed any of this, please go on our website, springhill.cc, and listen to the previous parts because I don't want you to miss anything that we've talked about. This is so very important. And just like the Lord said, he doesn't want us to be afraid of anything. He doesn't want us to live in fear at all. I believe it's 365 times in the scripture he tells us, do not fear. And so I think if he said it once or twice, it's important. But when somebody says something 365 times, it's pretty important. I think it's something that he wants us to do. So we don't have to live in fear. Parents, you don't have to live in fear about sending your children to school. You don't have to live in fear about going to the grocery store. You don't have to live in fear when you go to the mall. Uh, you know, and it seems like these things are popping up everywhere. And uh, the good news is God doesn't want us to live in fear. He has given us a promise of divine protection. And so just as a point of review, uh, we talked about this. A lot of the material that we're talking about in this series, not so much today, but in the previous parts, has come from this book uh, by Sister Gloria Copeland. It's a great little book about Psalm 91, breaks it down. It goes verse by verse and talking about the different aspects of Psalm 91. And uh, you can download this book absolutely free if you go to kcm.org forward slash no fear, N-O-F-E-A-R, all one word, and you can download this book and you can have it for free, and uh, I encourage you to do so. So let's go to Psalm 91, and let's read the psalm in its entirety, all 16 verses. We're going to read it from the Amplified Translation. I like the way it's worded in here. So uh, unfortunately, I could not put all of this in your notes uh, but it's on the screen, so let's just follow along and read it together. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust for then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He, then he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. 
You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Hallelujah. Only a spectator shall you be, yourself inaccessible to the secret place uh, of the, in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall no evil, say that, say no evil. There shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. Now, I know you probably don't live in a tent, but you can put house there, so or my, my uh, home. So there shall no evil befall you, nor any plague uh, or calamity come near my home, for he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, now this is the Lord talking, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, kindness, trust, and relies on me, knowing I will never forsake him. No, never. Aren't you glad we can depend on that? You know, listen, I, I want to just say this. You know, in your Christian walk, there might be times when it feels like God is, is a million miles away, but you can't go by how you feel. You have to go by what the Word says. The Word says here in Psalm 91 and in Hebrews 13, He will never, ever leave you or forsake you. So He's right there with you. And so He says, knowing I will never forsake Him, no, never. Then He wraps it up by saying, He shall call upon me and I will answer Him. I'll be with Him in trouble. I'll deliver Him and honor Him. With long life will I satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. Hallelujah. So a lot of promises in there. We've covered a great deal of it already. Now, as I have been telling you all through the process of this series, the Lord wanted me to take a, a couple of weeks and talk about angelic protection because that's a huge part of this particular psalm. Matter of fact, let's go back and let's read verses 11 and 12 again. He said, for he, God, will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. So when you're in obedience to the Lord, when you're doing your very best to obey the word of God, when you're serving him with your full heart, your whole heart, you can count on his angels being assigned to protect you. Uh, like he says, they will have charge over you and defend and preserve you in all of your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. So let's talk about this. And, and one of the things, reasons I'm so excited about these two weeks, this week and next week in particular, is because in all of my years of pastoring, I've never really uh, been led to and taught a series on angels. 
but it's apparently time because the Holy Ghost has led me to do it. Now, one of the reasons I believe that we need to understand some things about angels is because I believe the closer we get to the Lord's return, we're going to see uh, and experience more and more angelic activity. You'll find uh, that there are patterns in the scripture that are laid out for us, and uh, you'll see that right before times, God does something spectacular. I mean, just something huge. You see an uptick of angelic activity. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And so I believe in, uh, you know, as we wind down this church age and we approach uh, the return of the Lord, that is a huge event. And so I believe, and by the way, it's all about God being able to reap the harvest of people. You know, God's after people. He loves people, and he doesn't want anybody to, to die and spend an eternity separated from him. He wants all people to be born again. The scripture says it's not God's will that any should perish. And so we're going to see that there are some angelic activities that are related to people coming into the kingdom of God. And so that's one of the reasons you're going to see an uptick of these things. So last week we said this. When we obey the word of God, God gives angels a special assignment to watch over you and keep you safe. So let's dive into this. Now, there are 10 things that I want you to know about angels today. Now, can I say this before we get into it? I think some ministers are hesitant to teach about angels because people have a tendency uh, to maybe get a little weird when you start talking about these types of things. And I want to just say this up front. We do not worship angels. Angels will not allow you to worship them, okay? There's only one angel, and I'm going to define this in just a minute. There's only one angel that will allow you to worship him. He's called the angel of the Lord, and it's actually the Lord Jesus in pre, what they call the theological term is pre-incarnate visitations in the Old Testament where Jesus would appear to people. So that's how you know whether it was a, a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus or a, a real angel is would that visitor allow the person that they're visiting to worship them. Jesus will always allow you to worship him. Angels will not. Okay? Are you tracking with me? All right, so if you have your notes out there, let's look at a couple of things. So let's talk about the word itself, angel. And uh, in the Hebrew, it's, it's the Hebrew word malach. In the Greek, it's the Greek word angelos, which is where we get our English word angel. And what's interesting about both of these words in the Hebrew and the Greek language is they both mean a messenger, a sent messenger. Now, what's interesting is you have to look at, and when you're studying the scriptures, you have to look at the context that the word angel is used in, particularly in the New Testament, to discern, are we talking about an angelic being or are we talking about a human being? Now, let me give you an example. Anybody read in the book of Revelation in the first three chapters where Jesus appears to John and, and begins to talk to him about the seven churches that were in existence in the day, he says, unto the, 
the churches. And then he says this, Jesus says this to the apostle John. He says, and to the angel at the church at Sardis or Thyatira or Laodicea, whatever the church might be. Well, what you need to know is that he's not referring to an angelic being. Now, don't let me confuse you when I say this. He's referring to a sent messenger assigned to that church. Now, the reason we know that he's not talking about an angelic being is because Jesus tells John, he says, I, tell the, the uh, and I forget which particular church it is, but tell, let's use this as an example. Tell the, uh, the, uh, the angel at the church at Laodicea, I have somewhat against them. Well, how many of you know Jesus doesn't have anything against his angels? Okay, he also said to talking to another church, you have left your first love, talking to the angel. So he's not talking to an angelic being. He's talking to a sent messenger assigned to that church, also known as the pastor. Now, I know y'all think I'm an angel, okay, but I'm really just a sent messenger, okay? <laughs> So here, so you have to look at the scripture and you have to look at the context to examine whether it is referring to an angelic being from heaven or is it referring to a human being sent as a messenger from God. Now, I am, if you were using the Greek language, an angelos in that I'm a sent messenger, in that I'm sent to tell you something, but I am not a heavenly being uh, like uh, the angels that we are accustomed to. So I wanted to bring that clarification out to you. So as you're reading the scriptures, pay attention to the overall context, okay? So if you're taking notes, write this down. Here's number one. We know that angels have a dual role as messengers sent from heaven and helpers and protectors sent to help God's people. So they are sent to be messengers to the earth and they are sent to help God's people. So they have a dual role. Now there's, you know, somebody said, well, I, you know, I, I know that the scripture talks about there are warring angels and there are, but that would come under the category of working with and protecting God's people. And so we'll talk about that in more detail. Now, let me give you a couple of examples just to bring to your remembrance one of the roles is they are messengers. If you'll recall in Luke chapter one, you remember when Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a child, when Zechariah, who was a priest at the time, went in to fulfill his priestly duties, an angel appeared to him in the, in the temple and spoke to him and told him, you're going to have a son, you'll call his name John, and he will be a forerunner and declare uh, and build the pathway for the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, to be able to come. You remember that conversation? And you remember John, I mean, Zechariah said, well, how's that going to happen? And the angel told him, he said, I'll tell you how it's going to happen. You're not going to be able to talk for nine months. Okay, you remember that? Because he was used, if he had allowed Zechariah to continue to talk, Zechariah could have messed up the plan of God by his words. And so he had to silence Zechariah. And uh, so that was one instance. You remember in the next chapter, in Luke chapter 2, that there was an angel named Gabriel that was sent to the Virgin Mary to tell her about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was coming. 
And, uh, you know, in her conversation, she said kind of the same thing Zecharias did. Now, here's the difference. She had not been praying for a baby. Zecharias and Elizabeth had. So when she asked the question, how can this be, the angel answered her question. Well, the Holy Spirit shall come on you and overshadow you, and, and uh, you shall conceive the Holy Child, the Lord Jesus. So he answered her question. Luke, uh, in the same chapter, Luke chapter 2, it says that the angel appeared to the shepherds who were in the field and told them about the birth of the Lord Jesus in Bethlehem. And then you'll recall that the, the heavens opened and there was a vast number of angels that began to sing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And uh, so then in Matthew chapter 2, after Jesus is a toddler, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and tells him, Herod is trying to kill uh, Jesus because he knows he's a coming king. And so he instructs Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt. You remember that? So that's just four instances. They are all scattered throughout the Old and the New Testaments. Uh, prepare, uh, proportionately to the Old Testament, they are much, much greater in the New Testament. Okay? So that's just one, uh, you know, four examples. There are many examples of them bringing messages, messages to people to help them. We'll talk more about that a little bit next week. So here's number two. Write this down. There are so many angels that they cannot be counted. There are so many angels that they cannot be counted. Okay? Now that's good news. Let me show you a scripture. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 says this, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So here, I want you to use your noggin for just a moment. Now, if you're a student of the Bible at all, you know that when Lucifer fell and became Satan, he took a third of the angels with him. So there are two-thirds of the holy angels still working for God, serving in heaven and so forth, and yet there are still so many they cannot be counted. So I'm glad. Aren't you glad that 99.9% .9 didn't go with Lucifer and we're stuck with 0.1%? Okay, no, there are still plenty of angels to go around to carry out God's will, plan, and purpose. Let's look at a couple of other examples in the Old Testament. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, Daniel said this, I watched as thrones were put in place and the ancient ones sat down to judge. That's the Lord Jesus. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session, and the books were opened. Now, this is Daniel's vision of the end times. But what my point is that I want you to see from this is that there were millions who stood in the presence of the Lord Jesus and there are millions who stand to attend to his every need and desire. So that's a lot, okay? Here's another scripture in Romans, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. The scripture says this, John writing, Then I looked 
And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. Now, isn't it interesting that he said this? I heard the voice, not voices of many angels. See, what you need to understand, this is a little side note. Heaven flows in perfect unity. So when angelic or heavenly beings lift up their voice, they make one voice. There's not millions of angels all saying and doing their own thing. All right, are you listening to me? When they make a sound, there is one voice. Now that's going to come up again later on. So just make a little mental note about that. So he said, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. So when you get a chance, not while I'm preaching, but when you get a chance, take out your phone and multiply 10,000 times 10,000. That's a whole bunch. And then he just, you know, because you can't number them. Then he says on top of that, and thousands and thousands. All right. So there are plenty of angelic beings and uh, plenty to go around. So there are so many that they are innumerable. Here's the third thing I want you to know about angels, and that is this. They are created beings created by the Lord Jesus. They are created beings created by the Lord Jesus. Now, somebody said, when did Jesus do that? Sometime in eternity past, when he was uh, still had not taken on a flesh body, he was still part of the Godhead in the sense that he originally was before he became man, okay? Jesus is 100% God and he's 100% man now, but there was a time when he was not, okay? So before he took on a flesh body, the scripture gives us clues all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament about what Jesus did and his involvement in creation. If you'll read the eighth chapter of the book of Proverbs, it talks about how wisdom is a person and he was present when the creation was taking place. And so what we see is, is that the Lord Jesus is referred to as wisdom. Okay, so Jesus has been around a long time. <laughs> he wasn't born, he didn't come into existence 2,000 years ago is what I'm trying to say. All right, so he, the angels were created by him. And, and uh, so look at Colossians chapter one and verse 16. It says this, for by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. All right, so Jesus was the, the one who is responsible for the creation of the angels. Now, just as a little side note, uh, I, I didn't put this in your notes, but just as a little side note, in the book of Joshua, in chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, there was one of those pre-incarnate visitations of the Lord Jesus to Joshua. You remember Joshua and the children of Israel were getting ready to go into battle and Joshua looked up and there was a man standing there and you remember what he asked the man? He said, are you with us or are you against us? And he said, the, the man answered and said, I am neither. 
I am the commander of the Lord's host. Okay? So what he was telling Joshua is, Joshua, don't worry so much on which side I'm on. Worry about what side you're on. Okay? And so he's referred to as the captain or the commander of the Lord's host. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? So let's go to number four. People, this is the fourth thing I want you to know. People are spirit beings wrapped in flesh. Angels are purely spirit beings. Now, we've studied this in depth. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So you are wrapped in flesh. Angels are not wrapped in flesh. They do not have a flesh body. Now, I know what you're thinking. Somebody might say, well, pastor, I know where uh, people or angels have appeared to people and they looked like a human being. Well, angels have the ability to take on the form of a human being, but they do not have a permanent flesh body, okay? All right, let's look at uh, one scripture, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 said this, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. I believe that happens, now, somebody says, Pastor, does that mean that's happened to me? I don't know. But I know it happens a lot, okay, because they're active. And they show up to help us. I've, I've heard many testimonies where people uh, were rescued from impending danger. And the person that rescued them, they, of course, obviously thought it was a human being. And so after they were rescued and, and the dust settled just a little bit, they looked around to see and to thank this person who rescued them and the person was gone. Nowhere to be found. I heard the testimony of somebody who uh, was uh, a minister who was, uh, received some direction from an angelic visitation as to where they were supposed to go in the next part of their journey as a, as a minister. They were a traveling evangelist. And at that time, they were traveling on the bus and uh, they were at the bus station, and, and this person walked up and said, you don't need to get on this bus, you need to get on this bus. And so the person clued in and kind of figured out what was going on, got on that bus. When they were leaving the bus station, the person, the man that walked up and told them that was waving goodbye to the bus on the corner. When they pulled into the next bus station at the next town, that same man was standing on the corner waving to them when they pulled in. When they left that stop and went to the next stop, guess who was standing on the corner waving at the bus, okay? So, yeah, they can appear as human beings, but they do not have a permanent flesh body. They are spirit beings, all right? So you need to understand. Stand that. Here's number five. Number five, it says this, that angels are called spirits and ministers. They minister. They minister. We see several instances in the scripture where the angels showed up to minister to someone. Uh, we know, I know of a fact in, in the Luke chapter four, and when Jesus experienced his temptation in the wilderness, with uh, Satan tempting him three times, the Bible says that 
after the temptation was over that the angels came and strengthened him. If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was being overcome by, by the great burden of what he was getting ready to do on the cross, the Bible says angels came and ministered to him. So they are called in the scriptures spirits, and they are called ministers. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says this, but when he again... When God, again, brings the firstborn into the world, now this is talking about Jesus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, God said, let all the angels of God worship him. In verse 7, and of the angels, God says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, can I say this to you, just as a little side note, when you're studying the scriptures, particularly in prophetic books like Revelation, Daniel, and so forth. When you're reading what these men wrote, they're writing what they saw. And how many of you know, even in our modern day with the technology that we have, sometimes we still find it hard to find words to describe what we see, okay? Well, can you imagine what it looked like to someone 2,000 years ago or 18, 1900 years ago, who was seeing the Lord was showing these things. Like, let's take, for example, in the book of Revelation, when John saw the, the battle of Armageddon and things that were going to be happening, I believe that the Lord revealed to him some modern equipment and warfare that uh, would be taking place. But how, when you have never seen a helicopter or know what a helicopter is, do you describe a helicopter? To you, it, and this is what John refers to sometimes, is that there were great locusts with wings that flew and sounded like a, a horde of locusts. Well, you know, for, and I'm not saying this is the case, I'm just using, giving you an example. Let's imagine if you had never seen a helicopter and all you knew were locusts and things that were prevalent back in that day, how would you describe a helicopter? It sounds like a big bug. Okay, it's probably what you would say, all right? So when you're studying and you're looking at these things, so the reason I said that is when he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire, you know, a lot of times in the Old Testament, you remember the story of Elijah when Elijah called down fire and it consumed the sacrifice when he was having the showdown with the prophets of Baal. You know, you need to understand something. It wasn't like fire in the sense of campfire. It was lightning that came down from heaven and, cons and it was a flash and consumed the sacrifice, soaked, I mean, burned up the water, burned up the altar, everything, okay? So you need to understand that a lot of times when the scripture describes these things, it's describing it the best that it can with the knowledge that they had in the day. All right, so am I helping anybody? All right, so look at number six. Number six says this, angels are called beings of light. We just read that in Hebrews 1. And their habitation is just about everywhere. Now, you need to understand some things, okay, the best that we can, all right? I'm not a physicist. Don't claim to be a physicist. Listen, I belly flopped out of Algebra 2. 
I am in no way, shape, or form equipped to tell you, uh, you know, the depths of calculus and physics and all that type of thing. However, there are men such as Albert Einstein and others that have lived, that have plumbed the depths of science to that degree. And there are some things that they will tell you. It is said that Albert Einstein said this, that when you accelerate and are able to travel at the speed of light, there is a pace that you will reach when the only thing he knew how to describe it was called eternity. Okay? In other words, uh, you know, there, there are aspects of light and sound and things that we yet don't fully understand, but God does. And there are things about light that, uh, that we don't understand, and, but yet the scripture says God is light. All right? There are things about travel in the New Testament that we don't fully understand. If you'll recall in the book of Acts when Philip the evangelist, you remember uh, the, the uh, Holy Spirit led him to go and to join himself with an Ethiopian eunuch who was trying and struggling to read the scriptures and, and Philip got in the chariot with him and so he expounded the scripture to him. The Ethiopian ended up uh, receiving Christ and got baptized when, uh, he, when he was being baptized, Philip was bringing him up back out of the water, and it says that Philip was translated from that place in a moment and appeared in a whole different city at the blink of an eye. Now, how'd you like to be getting baptized? I baptized a bunch of people, but how would you like to be the baptizee and you look at someone who's lowering you down in the water and you're hoping they're there when you get, that they need to lift you back up, all right, out of the water, okay? But you open your eyes and they're gone, okay? That's what happened with Philip. You remember the Lord Jesus after the resurrection and he had a glorified body, which he still has, by the way, which you will have one day. The scripture says that when he appeared to the disciples, he walked through the door, do you know how he could walk through the door? Somebody said, well, he was a ghost. No, he wasn't. He had a flesh, a flesh body just like you do, except it was glorified, and a glorified body is more solid than material things. Okay, I'm just giving you some things to think about, all right? The scripture says, do you remember when Elijah was taken up into heaven? Do you remember what it was called that came and picked him up? A chariot of fire, okay? So my point is this. We need to, you know, just for thought and to be able to understand some things from the Word of God, expand your thinking a little bit beyond natural limitations, okay? So when we make a statement and we say angels are called beings of light and their habitation is just about everywhere, I want you to keep in mind that they are spirit beings and they function differently than you're able to function now. All right? Uh, let me read this scripture to you and then I'll explain this further. There is a scripture that says in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 11 and uh, verse 14 
that says, as it is no wonder that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Now, I'm not focused on what the devil does. I'm focusing on the angel of light part there, all right? See, there are, um, uh, let me just toss out a couple things real quick um, for, to give you some food for thought. You know, the scripture says that when Jesus comes to establish his millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign after the rapture takes place and all that's over, and Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom, the scripture says that we will rule and reign with him, okay? Now, I want you to think, just use your noggin a little bit, about the billions of people throughout the ages that have given their hearts to Christ and have been born again. Now, if all of those people were ruling and reigning here on the earth alone, that means that I would have probably about a three-foot square little piece. Kathy would have her three-foot little square piece about right here, and so forth and so on. In other words, there's not enough dirt to go around. So what does that mean? Well, that means that there is an entire universe that you and I will be ruling and reigning with Christ in. Okay? Now, don't let me throw you with this, but just trust me. Go along for the ride for a moment. All right? Your home base will be here on earth. But if your assignment is to rule and reign somewhere far out in the universe, uh, how are you going to get there? You ever thought about that? Well, the scripture implies that you and I will be able to travel at the speed of thought in, the, in that dispensation, okay? In other words, if God's will is for you to be here, I mean, way over there, to fulfill God's will, plan, and purpose, all you'll have to do is think and you'll be there. Okay? All right, I can tell that's exciting to you. All right, I don't want you to blow a circuit or anything. All right, but let's look at number seven. Maybe this will help you understand. Number seven, angels are not omnipresent. Now, what does omnipresent mean? God is the only person that's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. Angelic beings and human beings are not omnipresent. Just a little FYI, neither is Satan. He is a fallen angel. Therefore, he is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at the same time. Only God can do that. Now, angels are not omnipresent, but they can travel quickly to their assignment. Now, I do not know where the physical place called heaven is in the universe but what I do know is when they receive a command from the throne that they are assigned and supposed to do something, it doesn't take them weeks, days, and months to get here. They are able to travel at, at, a, a, at an astonishing rate of speed to be able to get where their assignment is. Again, some of that spiritual uh, stuff that, you know, is just kind of out there a little bit, but just something to think about. When you start traveling at the speed of light, you're able to encounter those types of things. But they're able to get to their assignment. I read in a commentary, it says this, angels do not possess a physical material body. This means that they are not restricted by the movement of their bodies as you and I are. You know, if I want to go to Texas, I have to either drive, walk, ride a bike, or get on an airplane. They, if they want to go to Texas, if they're here, 
All they have to do is go, and they're there. Okay, so they're able to, to travel at an astonishing rate of speed. The concept, this commentary said, of pure spirit that is not bound by space or time is difficult for our minds to process. I would think so, okay? Now, here's number eight. Let's look at this. Humans are in a different class of being than angels are. Now, I'm gonna define this and break it down for you. Humans are in a different class of being than angels. You and angels are not the same type of being, all right? Let's look at Psalm 8, verses 3 through 6. The psalmist David wrote, and he said, Father, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Verse 5, for you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Now, if you are to look in the Hebrew text, verse 5 says this, For you have made him a little lower than Elohim, meaning the Hebrew name for the Almighty God. Okay? And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, here's the difference. You, human beings, Adam was originally created and spiritually speaking, he was right below God. But because God clothed him in a flesh body, now he is a little lower than the angels. Okay, remember angels are spirits without flesh bodies. People are spirits with flesh bodies. Now track with me here. But notice the last part of that verse, it says, you have crowned him with glory and honor. Even though Adam was created a little lower than the angels because God crowned him with glory and honor, it now put him back spiritually and every area a little lower than God himself. Okay, are you tracking with me? All right, because I don't want you to miss this. Look at Hebrews chapter two and verse nine. It says this, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Now notice this, this is the son of God. And it says that he was made a little lower than the angels. What made him a little lower than the angels? It's because he wrapped himself in a flesh body. Okay, so because you and I are wrapped in a flesh body because the Lord Jesus was wrapped in a flesh body that made us a little lower than the angels. However, Adam in his pure state, his holy state, because God clothed him with glory and honor, was elevated above them in position. Okay, are you with me? But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Why was he made that way? For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. Jesus got crowned with the same thing Adam did. When? When he was raised from the dead. That he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everybody. See, if, if Jesus had never been wrapped in flesh, he could have never died for you and me. 
But because he was wrapped in flesh, because he did die and pay the price for you and me, when he was resurrected, he was crowned with glory and honor just like Adam was. So now he's still a little lower than God because of his flesh body. He's still 100% God. Don't misunderstand me. But he's definitely above the angels. Okay? Now, let's go to Ephesians 1.20. It says, talking about the power of God, the power of the resurrection. It says, that, excuse me, that he worked this power in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So when Jesus was raised from the dead and he ascended into heaven, he was seated at the right hand of the Father, where? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things, say all things, he has put all things, including angels, under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. All right, so I don't think there's any argument that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was crowned with glory and honor and seated at the highest place in the presence of the Father. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, though, and let's look at what Jesus did for us. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We were raised up with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. So let me explain all this to you. Adam, in his pure state, was crowned with glory and honor and was just a little bit below God but above everything else. When he sinned, he lost that crown of glory and honor and now everything else was above him, including the angels and, and every spirit being. But Jesus came, Jesus clothed himself in flesh, took upon himself our sin and our, our, the penalty we have to pay, and when he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead, the Father resurrected him and again crowned him with glory and honor. So he is the 100% Son of God who bore the price for humanity, but now he is above it all. Now here's the good news. When you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you were born again, God said, here's what I'm going to do. Even though you're clothed in a flesh body, even though you were lost in sin, I'm going to make you born again. I'm going to crown you with glory and honor, and I'm going to raise you up and let you sit with Jesus in the honored place with everything below you. What does that mean? Angels, demons, and every other spiritual being, including Lucifer himself, are under you. Hallelujah. All right. So you need to understand that. Now here's number nine. I'm almost out of time. Angels are assigned to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation. If you are born again, you are an heir of salvation. So according to well, let's look at Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till he make your enemies your footstool? Can I answer that question? Zero. But to you, he did. 
To you, he did. He did say, you know, when you receive Christ, he said, come on up, sit with me. And everything is under your feet, just like it's under my feet. But look at verse 14. Are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So angels have been assigned to minister for you. Okay? Now, what I find interesting is, you know, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to hear some spiritual heavenly conversations take place. Can you imagine the astonishment of the heavenly host when the Son of God, who had lived for eternity past, all of a sudden came and was clothed in flesh and lived as a man for 33 years, then died that horrible death on the cross, all while the heavenly host had to stand back and watch and allow it to happen. Do you not recall when Jesus was on the cross, he said, I, I could open my mouth and my father would send 1,200 legions of angels to rescue me. That's why he couldn't utter a word. And that's why they were posted and could do nothing to help him. Can you imagine those conversations? Why is he doing this? Why would he do this for that lost, dead, ugly, spiritual being over there? And I can hear another one saying, well, you know why he does that? It's because the Father loves them. The Holy One loves them. And so Jesus paid the price for all of us and redeemed us and delivered us and raised us up. So now the angels are assigned to minister for us. All right, now here's the last thing. And this is, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of a cliffhanger uh, so you'll want to come back next week. All right, here we go. Number 10, under the new covenant, well, let me say this first. Under the old covenant, angels were assigned to only do God's bidding. Under the old covenant, they could only do what God told them to do. Okay, now hold that thought. Under the new covenant, angels have been assigned to work with believers who stand on and obey the word of God. <laughs> now, I'm not implying, please do not leave church today and say, pastor said I can boss my angels around. I'm not saying that at all, okay? But what I am saying to you is there is a key that we possess that allows us to assign them to do certain things on our behalf. Let me read you this scripture, and I'll describe it just a little bit, and then we'll go home, and then you can come back next week and find out how this takes place. Look at Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. Whose word do they do? Whose? Who's his? Jesus, God's word, okay? Heeding the voice of his word. Let me translate that word voice to you from the Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word that means sound. Okay? And it says that he heeds, the, or they heed the sound of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Now I'm going to say this to you and then I'm going to shut up and I'm not going to, Try and let too much of the cat out of the bag, okay? 
because I want you to come back next week. Here we go. All right, listen to me. When a believer, a born-again child of God who is washed in the blood, who is God's own child, when the word of God is in the heart of a believer and the word of God is spoken by that believer, the sound is the same as if God was saying that word himself. Don't think voice like Peter Brady, you know, change in voice, that type of thing. No, think sound, tone. When God speaks and when you speak God's word, the sound is the same in the spirit. Okay? So when you speak God's word, the heavenly hosts that are assigned to you hear that. And as far as they're concerned, it's just as if the Father said it. And they dare not disobey what the Father has said. Now, again, I'm not implying that you can boss your angels around. But when you declare the word, the word of the living God, and it comes out of your mouth, they have no choice but to obey, to, to hearken to, to obey that, and to carry it out. So can I say this to you? And we'll talk more about this next week. That's why it is so important that not only we speak the word over our lives, but in prayer, when you're speaking the word of God, heaven is paying attention. The heavenly hosts are listening. And when you're praying for that lost loved one and you're saying, Lord, send laborers across their path to bring them the gospel. That's not falling on deaf ears. It's falling on the ears of heaven and angels go to work to start to orchestrate some things so that your loved ones can have somebody come into their life and preach the gospel to them. We'll see next week how, how angels will even go to work to protect unsaved people. It, I'll say this, and then I know this is my third closing, but um, you ever seen or heard of a testimony where someone, I, I mean, I heard scores of stories like this from World War II, where there would be a soldier on the battlefield just in a dire circumstance where it looks like it's all over, and they would pray a prayer like this, God, if you'll get me out of this one, I promise when I get home, I'll go to church. And you know what God does? He gets them out. Okay? All right, what does he do? He, he, angels go to work to help an unsaved person. Hallelujah. So, I hope you, you're getting something out of this. Amen? All right, now... I'm going to show you next week, how do we do this? How do we put them to work? Don't, and like I've, you know, I've said it humorously before, but I'm saying it seriously now. Don't let your angels stand around and be unemployed. Okay? They don't get anything out of that. Matter of fact, they begrudge it because they'd rather be fulfilling the will of God. Amen?
Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you for the word. Father, I thank you that your word is true. And the Lord, the promises that we have read in your word, how great they are and how true they are. And Lord, if we will just dare to believe them, that Father, I thank you for the things that are afforded to us. One of those being supernatural protection, heavenly protection, heavenly ministry from the angels of heaven. Now, Father, we're thankful for them. We're thankful for you giving them that assignment. And Lord, I thank you that in Jesus' name, they, they are working to protect us, to keep us safe in every area. Now, Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name that you are moving on their behalf. That, Father, heaven is at work all the time on the behalf of your people. And I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for healing. I thank you for strengthening every physical body here under the sound of my voice. I declare, Lord, every person to be healed from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for every need to be fully and abundantly supplied. Father, we thank you for those loved ones that are, that are not serving you. Father, I thank you and we claim them in the name of Jesus. Satan, take your hands off of our loved ones. You loose them and you let them go. And Father, thank you for the, the, the laborers to be sent to minister the gospel to them. Thank you that it's happening. Thank you that it's being done. Even when we may not see anything changing, Lord, I thank you that you're still true to your word and we praise you for it. Thank you, Father, for protecting our families, keeping them safe, all of our loved ones, Lord. And we love you. We thank you for it. We believe you to do it. Father, and we, we just want you to know we love you so much. We appreciate you so much. You're so good to us, Lord. You didn't have to do any of that, but you did it because you loved us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for washing us in the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.